Welcome to Oxford Adult ESL Conversations, hosted by Jamie Adelston Goldstein, co-author of the Oxford Picture Dictionary and series director of Step Forward. In this episode, Jamie is joined by Andy Nash, a senior advisor at World Education Inc., where for over 20 years, she has facilitated professional development projects at the local, regional, and national levels. She specializes in contextualized ESL, standards-based instruction, and the integration of adult education with civic engagement. She has contributed to a variety of national products on immigrant integration, teacher effectiveness, IET, and evidence-based ESL. In this conversation on social justice in language instruction, Andy shares ways to address social issues and build community within the classroom. Welcome, Andy. I'm so glad to have you here for an ESL adult conversation. Thank you, Jamie. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, I have known about you for many years, but I'd really love to know your story. Would you mind? Sure. I started my ESL instructional career when I was traveling, as many adult educators do. I was traveling and I ran out of money and I began teaching. And I loved that. And when I came back to the States, I did some more teaching and then I went to study uh, in a master's program with Donaldo Macedo, who was one of Paolo Freire's translators, and Elsa Auerbach. Yeah. Yes, who has been instrumental in bringing Freire's work into the adult ESOL field. Mm-hmm. I've been influenced by the Freirean approach uh, of teaching literacy and language in a social context. So learning language and literacy is about learning to read and speak the word, but it's also learning to read the world and to think about your place in it. I particularly love that expression, read the world. I'm wondering, what do you see as the role of social justice in adult instruction and learning? Because certainly social justice has a lot to do with how our learners feel represented in their communities and in the world. Yes. So the first thing I want to say is that I have kind of backed away a little bit about the language of social justice, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because... First of all, we want to have those conversations about that relationship between social justice and and instruction, both with our colleagues and then also think about how we bring it into our classroom. And if I go to a conference with a workshop title that has social justice in the title, everybody's going to say, oh, that's that, you know, extra conversation that we don't really have time for. Because it feels like the not a non-essential conversation when we really have to get down to the brass tacks and learn how to implement this or that strategy. And so I've stepped back from that language that we're not segregated into a separate conversation because I think the issues that social justice questions need to be brought into every workshop. You know, I think by and large, our colleagues are well aware of the social justice issues that are facing our students, but I think they worry about bringing those discussions into the classroom because it'll take additional work and time. But really, the skills and language students need in order to stand up for themselves or analyze social problems are CCR skills and language. Yes, yes. That's, I guess that's where I was thinking the integration came in. So I'm, I'm really interested, though, in if you don't use the term social justice, are you then saying that because CCR is, is really part and parcel of what we're doing now, that that is integrating social justice and we can stop highlighting it? Not at all. What I see in the CCR and all the other standards that I work with is that they are 
uh, defining the skills and, that underlie being able to do various things, participate civically or get your job and function in your job. So those are the content areas that we bring the standards into. Mm-hmm. And also doing social justice doesn't mean that you come in with a particular perspective on something. Really what, what it's about is raising up the voices of our students to offer that there are many interpretations of things, that there is not one right way or one right analysis. And so we're inviting them to share their stories. And the way we do that is through a prompt. It could be a prompt like, what's easy or hard about life here? Or what would you like to tell others who come after you about life here? That's going to invite them to talk about what's both positive and what's challenging and open up the possibility of exploring those difficult parts of life here and what they can do about it. So for example, let's say uh, their challenge is affordable housing. You know, it's hard for me to pay my rent. You might talk about what have other people done about that? Who's working to address this challenge in our communities? What can we learn from them? Do we want to hear from them? So that people are considering not only individual solutions, but also what are groups of people doing? So that everything isn't on me as an individual to navigate by myself in this community because it's not my individual problem. There are many people with this problem and we are going to think it through and strategize and learn about it and get our questions answered and consider our options for um, addressing this problem together. And that is how I think that social justice gets addressed in the classroom. It starts with what is coming up in the issues of the lives of our students. Oh, I think that's such a valuable perspective. And it's an interesting concept though, isn't it, Andy? Because when you think about the uh, Horatio Alger mm-hmm. stories, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and the, it's the individual, yes. but we have examples throughout history where it's the collective energy and agency that has yes, made the change. Yes, and it's interesting that you mention history because that is an important component of enabling our students to see other other possibilities by calling upon history, history that is often not learned in our mainstream education. Well, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, although I think talking about history that's not learned or revelatory history might have a, a, a role in this next question. I'm a huge fan of The Change Agent, and I'm wondering if you could tell a bit about it and maybe speak to the role of the change agent and supporting this integration of problem-based learning and the role of the community in change? So the change agent is a semi-annual publication of writings, mostly by adult education students. So that's both native English speakers and English learners on a theme. So themes have been uh, good jobs or transportation or climate change, or sometimes they're kind of fun themes like fashion. Um, The one that's at the printer right now is on um, We All Need to Play. It's about play. Great. Um, And and the the one that is right now out on, on people's tables is one on indigenous peoples. So there's a wide range. And the purpose of the change agent is to supplement textbooks with readings that are engaging and that provide examples of regular people being agents of change. So for each issue, the editor, Cynthia Peters, puts a call for articles out. 
And that call is really a list of writing prompts that teachers can bring right into their classes and elicit writing from their students about their students' experiences with whatever that theme is and how they or others have brought about change, either individually or collectively. And we get hundreds of submissions and an editorial board of practitioners and students and community members narrows down the entries. Cynthia works with the students who have been selected to edit their pieces and voila. That sounds like a wonderful opportunity for the writing process to find its way into every classroom. I used to think that the main impact that the change agent had was that it was putting into the hands of of students really rich uh, texts that they could relate to. And that is definitely true. But now more and more, I'm seeing the impact it's had on the writers because the writers get treated as authors, not as writing students. And so the editor talks to them like an editor talks to a writer. And we get reports back from teachers saying, these students are transformed. Students who have never seen themselves as writers are now saying, I'm going to be a writer. Really, really powerful transformation. So, And the teachers are involved as well. Mm -hmm. It's it's really just like a multifaceted, wonderful experience. You know, other than the change agent, what teaching strategies would you recommend for bringing up these, the deeper, um, more pressing questions? Well, any topic has um, a social issue angle. Some of the issues that come up in that that issue of the magazine on fashion has to do with cross-cultural fashions, you know, how much we cover up or don't cover up and what that means, you know, for women. It has to do with what it means when immigrants come to this country and their children want to dress like the kids in this country and the dilemmas that Mm. creates for the parents. So I think there's that, that, that being open to exploring the many facets of whatever topic that you have in front of you, whether it's about, the, you know, you're using the change or you're using other strategies. And also making sure that you see examples of people displaying their agency and power, because we don't often see that. And if you don't, if you don't believe you can make a change and you don't feel that people are going to hear you when you speak, then you're kind of defeated from the start. You feel disempowered. But any opportunity you can create to elevate people's voices and create opportunities where other people can hear them is going to be an empowering agency building opportunity. That might include like uh, digital storytelling, um, doing photo stories of that document our neighborhoods and our experiencing our neighborhoods, or like projects where we, are, where we investigate questions about how things happen in our neighborhoods and why, or interviewing community members bilingually uh, is, is fine, who are tackling issues so that you're doing this combination of voices, lifting up many voices, and also practicing your language skills all throughout that. And what I hear you saying is representation, for learners to see themselves represented in the stories that they're reading, but also for them to be represented in the communities by going out and, and participating in the projects. Yes, and meeting the people in their communities who came before them and are now the leaders of their communities. You know, really seeing those models. You know, when I when I was doing EL Civics, one of the challenges we faced was that we would do civics projects in our classroom and then the semester would end and that was it. And that was the end of students' participation. They were done and they didn't know how to then carry that into the community. Whereas if we build bridges to organizations and people who are doing things in the community and expose our students to those people through visits and activities we can build, 
then they have a bridge into continuing to be active and joining the activities of their community when they're not in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Which is, of course, the goal. Exactly. So one question that's really not a quick question for teachers who are teaching learners at the beginning literacy level, what are ways for that level of learner to have access to this kind of content? Well, you would use the same strategies as you use trying to get language and stories from your beginning level students. And in fact, talking about issues is quite motivating for even the beginning students because they really want to communicate something. So if you put in front of your students a picture of an immigrant family with a teenager, some teenagers who are wearing very contemporary clothing or have their iPods in front of them and are not paying attention to the family, they will have things to say because they have ideas. They have things they want to say about that. And I see it as my job to give them the language. And in fact, you know, it's a gift because I'm giving them the language to help them communicate what they want to communicate. I'm not saying this is the lesson today. We're going to learn the colors. I'm, they really have something they want to say. And I'm trying to give them the language that will help them say it, which is really the most effective language instruction you can offer because that's language they're going to remember. Right, right, right. And then then we can go from the spoken word to this is what it looks like when we do language experience approach and I write those words on the board and now we have it in text. So then then it's a spinoff. Then you're just building off of um, what is this very deeply connecting content for the students. There's a, a book called Chalk Talks by Norma Shapiro where she has shown how you can take at the lowest yep. level, take what the students are saying and depict it simply on the board so that the pictures and the symbols become the prompt for their language. Yes. Well, we're, we're coming towards the end of our, our time together, but I'm, I'm wondering if there's any myth that you feel you'd like to dispel about our learners. Well, related to this topic, I would say that the myth that um, is, feels pressing is that adults don't want to talk about these issues, that they just want to talk about how to get a job. I hear that over and over. And that comes from the whole goal setting process where programs will ask their students what their goals are. And they say, I want to get a job. And so, of course, then that becomes like, see, 85% of our students want to get a job. So that's what they want to talk about. They're not going to come in and say, I want to talk about the clothes my kid's wearing. I mean, that's just not how they're going to express what their goals are. But if we even reframed that, uh, I want to get a job goal as um, I want economic security, which I think is really what a job is trying to give you, is supposed to give you, then that opens up so much more to consider. Because part of the reason our students don't have economic security, many of them, is that their housing is unstable. Or they have healthcare costs that are unmanageable or a host of other issues. And so if we just find ways to put out the invitation, we will find that there are many things that they want to talk about and that also enable us to help them build skills. It will also help them get a job. It's not an either or Uh proposition, but um, they really do have a, a hankering for talking about these things that are Uh, dilemmas for them in their lives. We're all adults. Um, But with that said, um, as an adult in the world right now, I am completely overwhelmed. And there just seem to be 
a thousand issues that are pulling at my attention that I see great need to address. And I'm wondering, in your experience working with teachers, do you have any suggestions for teachers who might be feeling overwhelmed, so overwhelmed that bringing up these topics is problematic for them, or they don't know whether to go into the land of allyship? Uh, you know, is that a good place to be? What's the teacher's role? Mm -hmm. Well, first to the issue of feeling overwhelmed, we need to support each other and find ways for self-care. I mean, it, we cannot be good supports for our students if we are overwrought and distressed ourselves. So just just a reminder there. And then I think allyship is absolutely crucial. And I think it's it's a basic educational imperative because people can't learn if they don't feel safe. And if our students are feeling an us versus, versus them mentality that's, that's permeating their world, and if they're not sure that that mentality hasn't seeped into their classroom, that's going to be a problem in terms of their being able to focus and learn and feel safe. So basic community building and making sure that everyone feels safe is a form of allyship that I think is essential. But I want to note that when I use the word allyship, I don't mean just offering empathy to students who, who are feeling threatened and vulnerable. I mean solidarity, that my well-being is tied to your well-being. If, if you're being threatened, then we're all in trouble. And I, I will just reference mm -hmm. um, a quote from Lilla Watson, who's often quoted. She's an Aboriginal leader who talks about allyship. And she says, if you've come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you have come here because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. Mm, potent. Yeah. And I think true. I mean, I think we have a lot in common being adults trying to make the best world possible for all of us to thrive in. What a wonderful way to sum up our conversation. I always like to give my guests an opportunity to say anything that they feel they didn't get a chance to touch on? Is there anything that you'd want to add? Well, one thing being just um, a big hug to all my, my colleagues out there who are trying to navigate this territory because I don't think we're really encouraged often to take that risk. So I'm just very appreciative of that. And also that one thing I failed to mention about the change agent is that students who are published are paid $50. That's wonderful. Yes. And so it's a really an added incentive. People can go to the change agent, uh, which is changeagent.nelrc.org. And right there, it, they can find the call for articles. Um, 2020 is the census and preparation for the 2020 election. And both of those instances are ways that our students can and hopefully will stand up and be counted. So this issue will be a, a range of examples of how people have done that in their lives, what, even at times where they are a little bit scared, as they say, you know, speak truth, even if your voice shakes. So it would be a great opportunity to get your students writing. Thank you for speaking truth throughout our conversation today, Andy. It's been such a pleasure. And I feel like I've learned so much. I would be delighted to have a part two. Oh, thank you, Jamie. It was so much fun. Take care. Thank you again. We love what you do and want to support you in every step of the way. For more useful resources to support your teaching, including sample lessons from Step Forward and the Oxford Picture Dictionary, visit us at 
oup.com slash ELT slash loveadultesl. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Oxford Adult ESL Conversations.